Computing Broadcast, a fascinating round in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Hello, Fascination. Welcome to the show. So if you're like me, you've been called a clown in your past, or, or even been the class clown. Well, this isn't a bad thing. Clowning is a very important part of Americana, and, you know, so is the circus. The Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus was the greatest show on earth while it was touring, and during its tenure, produced thousands of, of great clowns through their clown college, which you know, was a real thing. As a matter of fact, uh, on a previous episode of this show, the second and third episode, I talked to a, a, a graduate of the clown college and his stories are just fantastic. So today I've decided to refresh that. we got to get back into clowning. I want to hear a little bit more about the life of a clown. So I've decided to talk to Greg DeSanto, who's the executive director of the International Clown Hall of Fame and Research Center in Baraboo, Wisconsin, the only place for circus, if you know the history of the circus. So uh, we're going to get into a lot of cool stuff about the, the college, his career, uh, and, and the benefits of clowns and the history of them throughout the world. It's quite a, quite a deep dive here. So let's get right into this with Greg DeSanto. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I want to make sure I've got you. So, uh, weird question: Did you have a clown name? I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Greg. Greg is the name. <laughs> Greg. So, okay. Did, now, were you? Uh, is that unusual that that people don't have a clown name? Um, not so much in the circus itself. Um, yeah. Other forms of clowning, you know, like uh, the clowns that do like birthday parties or sure. you know things like that. Uh, most of them will have kind of like a clownish name or a nickname that they use. Um, in the circus, most of us um, are just known by our face and our look as opposed more than a name. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Did you uh, this is kind of a strange question to start off with, but I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And so one of the uh, there's this new character called Danhausen who's around and he has this very specific painted face that he's actually trademarked. Uh, you know, I mean, in some ways he is kind of like, yeah, the evolution of clowning, right? Like he is, you know, he's kind of a goofball. Um, but the, the, the trademarking is kind of interesting. Is that something that that's pretty common? Um, again, the in the in the clown world, which, you know, it's it's ironic that most of us clowns that started out um, my era. Yeah. Uh, huge pro wrestling fans, too. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, what are the know. odds of that? I, I don't know. I, I, we just seem to find out like that and like monsters and Halloween. And like, sure. I think we were, were like, okay, with things with makeup and, you know, and uh, right. ball, things like that. So the wrestling <laughs> is always like a, you know, uh, a sports entertainment, as they call it. Yeah. Uh, so now, we, now they call it that. <laughs> no, they did. Even when I was watching it, you know, when I was a kid and I used to love like the managers and, and the, just the whole wrestling thing. I mean, it's like, it, it was like, a, it was very clownish in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. there was a good guy, a bad guy. There mm -hmm. was a, the matches had a beginning, a middle and an end kind of, mm -hmm. uh, what clown routines are. Mm -hmm. 
eventually became very good. For, we played a lot of the same arenas as wrestling would play, like a, the WWE and stuff like that. So sure. often we would run into the wrestlers, and they loved it. They were just always, you know, fun to hang out with, and we used to bring the circus train and stuff like that. So it's, it's a, it's, there's a, there's a kind of a cool overlap with that, but going back to the makeup uh, on clowns, we don't really copyright or trademark our face uh-huh. as much as it's an honor amongst clowns that your makeup is unique to you and no other clown would take it and utilize it on their face. Uh, it would look different anyway, because of, you know, our faces are different shapes, but right. Uh, it's more of an honor thing amongst clowns to not copy another clown's face. Uh, but like, I understand like wrestlers, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of a business. Whereas yeah. the clowns that I know of that actually have like trademarked or registered faces are things like Ronald McDonald or Bozo the clown, you know, right. things like that or they're <laughs> yeah. more commercial, they're more commercial. Sure. I guess when, yeah, when you slap your face on a toaster, I guess you really have to make sure you got every, all the IP in, in, in order, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That makes sense. Well, you know, it's funny because a lot of pro wrestling came out of the circus world, the carnival circus. uh, You know, a lot of the language is the same, um, which which is kind of interesting. So, you know, when I was watching a lot of your interviews, some of the words you're using are the same words they use in pro wrestling, which are same as the carnival. Uh, So it's all you know, it's all about it's a very specific world. Right. Which is what's so cool about what you do is it's this unique world that you live in that has kind of its own rules. And it's like a microcosm, really, you know, its own universe. It really is. I mean, the circus is like, uh, you know, they used to call it when we traveled with Ringling Brothers and Barnabelli Circus. It was like a city without a zip code. We would oh, travel and you were like this own little world. And you had people from all different cultures and, and countries, and every age group from, you know, babies and infants to seniors and we all learned how to get along and coexist with each other and learn about their cultures and our, their our culture and our food and our religions and our uh you know just how we lived our lives so it was you know i always said it was like a un um if the world could you know the world <laughs> yeah. could the, the circus model more because i think it really was a it was so successful and you know we really did get along and it was a family you it is yeah. a family much like the wrestlers and much like other touring, like theater companies and things like that. We are, you know, you're, you're with these people on the circus. We were there, you know, 24 seven with them. I mean, the people you go to work with are the people you go home. Right. So you either get along or get along. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. Well, and I can't wait. To, I want to talk about some of that because, you know, you guys actually lived on a train, which is so crazy. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But so you're currently the executive director of the Clown Hall of Fame and Research Center. Is that and it's kind of a museum, too, because you have a lot of artifacts, uh, clowning artifacts as well, right? It is the only museum in the world that's devoted exclusively to preserving, collecting, interpreting, and promoting uh, the art of clown. Uh, there are a lot of other museums out there, circus-related museums, which do compass clowns, but we are the only one that is an actual museum devoted specifically to clowns. So we have the largest collection of clown artifacts in the world. Wow. That, that, that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive because some of the stuff I've seen is, I mean, it's, it's really great stuff. I mean, you've got some, some, some you know, I think you've got, uh, 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 is it Lou Jacobs? I'm so sorry. Lou, I'm ahead of my notes here. Is it no. Lou Jacobs? Yeah, we have yeah. Lou Jacobs. 
Some pieces. Well, in one video, you show his shoes, and they're they're gigantic. I mean, it's they're, <laughs> they got a lot of space. They're shoes like they're size nineteen, um, and they're in thirty eight. Wow, uh, and they're still wearable. You know, so what we you know what we try to do with the museum is you know we collect artifacts, but really what we're collecting is stories mm-hmm. and the history. So most of these clowns are not with us anymore. Um, so it becomes the museum's like honor, I guess, to be able to tell these stories mm-hmm. to a new generation. Um, you know, clowns are generally like we talked about earlier, are not known by our names, but we're known by our faces. So people will look at a picture of Lou Jacobs and go, oh, I've seen that clown before. He was on poster and he was. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And here's what his name is. And he was a clown on Ringling Brothers and Barnabelli Circus for 66 years. Wow. Traveled with that show for 66 years. Can you imagine anyone working for 66 years? I know, right? <laughs> thing. And, um, you know, he was one of my teachers. Mm-hmm. And so, and clowning is, you know, like a lot of the arts, is in a master apprentice type of a situation, whereas people taught Lou. Mm-hmm. And now Lou's teaching me. And then I'm going to take that information and then pass it on to another generation. Right. So uh, a lot of my work today, these days, is is teaching, you know, and, uh, you know, doing instruction and clowning and, you know, kind of introducing a new generation to uh, who came before us. Right. I mean, because you kind of got it straight from the tap and you're kind of giving it straight for, you know, to, to the next generation. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, I mean, it's really the essential oral history passed down, you know, generation to, to generation. Absolutely. It's the it's the ultimate oral history. And. You know, we luckily nowadays with all the technology, we are able to access films and interviews and, you know, uh, scrapbooks and photographs and video and uh, of these great performers that modern clowns would have never had a chance to witness per maybe in, in, in person in performance. But they can get a sense of, OK, this is who this was. And this is, you know, here it is. This, we're giving them a visual uh, history, too. So I've got to ask you one controversial question here. Okay, right. here we go. Uh, so you're, you've got the International Clown Hall of Fame in Baraboo, Wisconsin. I checked out Baraboo on a map. It's pretty small. It's but a little bit town. It's, it's a little bitty town. But right down the street is the Circus World Museum. I mean, is Baraboo big enough for the two of you? Well, Cir- Baraboo is one of the great circus cities in the, in the world. Um, Baraboo is the place where the Ringling Brothers, the actual five Ringling Brothers, 150 some odd years ago, started Ringling Brothers and Barnum Belly Circus. Well, it was actually Ringling Brothers Circus, and they hadn't joined yet with P.T. Barnum and James Bailey. So uh, we, the the whole community here is really very circus centric. Okay. So it's kind of what Baraboo is known for. So Actually, I mean, while Circus World is only a few blocks from us, and it is a world-class museum that has elements of every circus, including the largest collection of circus uh, wagons, circus hmm. res- circus wagons ever. I mean, in the world, there's over 200 of them. Wow. Uh, things like the Clown Hall of Fame. We have the Al Ringling Theater. We have there's the Ringling Mansions are throughout town. The cemetery is. Uh, you know, the final resting place for many circus uh, artists and performers and, and right. management. So if you're into circus, mm-hmm. this is the t- 
you want to come to. This is the place. So we are uh, <laughs> very welcome here. You know, I kind of, uh, we equate it to like a circus wagon wheel. If you look, have different spokes uh-huh. and we're one of the spokes that kind of enhances, uh, you know, enhances a circus fan or an enthusiast or someone that wants to learn more about the circus. And, uh, and, you know, even if you don't know a lot about the circus, you will find, you will, you will discover a lot. Uh, we're, we're kind of nestled in between, uh, one of the great state parks here, Devil's Lake State Park, which is a huge tourist, uh, attraction. And then, uh, just North of us is the Wisconsin Dells, which has another very big uh, tourism area. So we're we're kind of like smack dab in the middle of those. So uh, you know, I always say when one of some of our best days are when it rains, um, mm-hmm. because we all these people that smell like campfires that were out camping, and suddenly it's pouring <laughs> rain, and they're like, yeah, yeah. "What do we do?" It's like, "Hey, come to the Clown Museum or come to Circus World because we're open, you know, twenty four hours." So it's great. You're open twenty four hours. No, I, I'm open for questions for 24 hours. Okay. <laughs> so I can call you at 3 a.m. with a pressing clown-related question, and you're there for me. Believe, and believe me, I've gotten calls from Germany and France at 3 a.m. <laughs> and they get time difference, and I'm like, I'll get you that in the morning. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. But you're available. That's the important thing. You're available. We are available. All clown queries. Uh, so that this is, I mean, you've got an interesting journey here because from what I understand, you've been paid to be a clown for 36 years, probably going on a little bit longer than that now, isn't it? My, my information might be a lot of date. This year's 38 years. 38 years. I mean, that's a pretty incredible journey you've been on. So how did this start for you? I mean, like what was a clown to you growing up? And then how did you want to do this? Well, uh, growing up, I had really no knowledge or I don't want to say I didn't have in, in clowning, I, I, I certainly grew up watching uh, Bozo the Clown on television. That was, sure. a, that was a big thing in the in the 60s and early 70s. Uh, you know, I was aware of Ronald McDonald because I saw the commercial. <laughs> yeah. Frequented, the, frequented uh, the, 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 the Fry Guys over there. They made sure you were aware of them. That was the corporate sole purpose was to make sure you were aware it, of Ronald. It, it, they were very successful with yeah. that for a very long period. <laughs> yeah. um, and I did go to circuses as a kid. Okay. Uh, I do remember that, but I don't remember ever going, I want to grow up and be a clown. Um, I wanted to do theater and performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I like to do is physical performance. I love visual comedy. Okay. So as a kid growing up, I watched shows with like, I Love Lucy and the Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners and Dick Van Dyke and Sid Caesar and Carol Burnett. And I love that type of performing. So I was trying to figure out a way um, – you know, where, where can I do that? So I got involved with theater, uh, community theater, and then eventually in high school, and then eventually went to college mm-hmm. in New York City at the School of Visual Arts, uh, where I was studying filmmaking and writing and performing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, while I was there, my senior year, I actually saw an advertisement on our, on our, in our cafeteria uh, for an, a Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College audition. And I'm what the heck is this? You know, and I'm like, huh, I have not been to a circus in probably 15 years. Right. And, but I, I was, you know, going on auditions all the time for other performing things. And I'm like, what's well, an audition. Let me see what this is all about. And it was in Madison square garden. Now at that point, at that point, were you concerned at all that your credits would transfer into clown college or was that not really a, a thought in your head? Uh, really sure about that part. Yeah. We were okay. just like, all right, all right. about to graduate. This is my last. <laughs> so I was like, Got through four years, right. and 
And I was really, the next step was going to go, okay, I'm going to graduate college with a degree and what I'm going to do as a performer. I'm going to start auditioning. And so I was starting that process. Right. And so I was like, well, clown college is an audition. I can say I auditioned for it. And I don't know what this thing's going to be like. Sure. And uh, I went to Madison Square Garden. Um, and that's where the, I was going to school, which was pretty amazing, like right there. Definitely. And, I went up to the audition and it was held between shows. So there was uh, the circus was all set up in there and it was pretty amazing to see this three ring behemoth of a, of a show. And I'm like, what the heck is all this? You know, I really had not been to a show around in, for over a decade. And uh, there was about 70, 75 people there auditioning that day. And as we sat down and they started putting us through acting exercises and improvisational exercises and, kind of talking to us and I was watching them, you know, put up some of the clowns were putting on their makeup for us and just started talking to the other people in the, in the audition. I was like, wow, we're, I, I discovered very quickly that I'm like, Oh, you're, you're kind of like me. Right. You want to do this. And yeah, I yeah. wanted to do physical comedy aspect. I'm like, huh? So by the end of this, like two and a half hour audition, I was like, I, I think I found a tribe here. Mm -hmm, <laughs> I think right. my, my people. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I guess I did well enough in the audition that they took me aside afterwards, as they did many of the people. And they said, do you, you know, do you have questions about this clown college thing? Yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea what it's about. You right. tell me. <laughs> they kind of filled me in on it. And they said, you know, it's, it, it's, it starts in, this was in May. And I college started in late August. Okay. So they said, oh, it's, uh, it's tuition free. Hmm. So that got my attention really quickly. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So, but it's really hard to get into. They, uh, about 2000 people a year apply to clown college out of the 2000, they actually only admitted about 50. Wow. So the cut was really big right there. The 50 of us, and I was lucky enough to be accepted. Uh, a, a few weeks later, I found out that they sent me a letter going, yeah, we, we, you're accepted to go to this clown college and, uh, uh, get ready. And it's going to be in, you know, two months and you have to report to Florida, Venice, Florida, oh, wow. which is right from Arizona. And I'm like, wow, okay, I'm going to go to college in Florida. This is not bad. And, uh, you know, I was, I was 21. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever, let me, let me try this. It's like, <laughs> something. I don't know. Yeah. And it was 10 weeks long. So it wasn't like a full like college four year thing. It's a 10 week program. Right. And I, and I want to stress that because a lot of people listening, I think kind of the joke is it's called clown college, but in fact, it's like clown workshop. Really? Cl college is like a marketing thing. Is a marketing thing. It was actually clown boot camp. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. really 10 weeks of this immense, immense, of training that we had to go through and it was we would get there at eight o'clock in the morning they would do warm-ups and then we would go until 10 o'clock at night with break for lunch and a break for dinner we were there six days a week i mean that is a lot like boot camp because i mean you're not learning how to kill people but you are learning how to kill them with laughter in a way we are killing them with laughter so and it's very similar we realized too well i maybe in hindsight more so now that I don't know if I realized it at the time, but it was really a 10 week audition. Oh, I see. Right. We were actually auditioning to get a job on the circus because clown college run by Ringling Brothers to help provide clowns for their circuses. So uh, and, and they could only teach us things at clown college that were tangible, like things like how to 
how to walk on stilts, how to ride a unicycle, how to put on makeup and design a makeup, how to, you know, sew a costume, how to throw a pie, how to do all these things. And they gave us a history lesson that we watched movies of great comedians and Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and Laurel and Hardy, the Three Stooges, things like that. And we worked with master clowns, really older clowns that were like the Lou Jacobs mm -hmm. of, of, the, of, of the world. And um, they couldn't teach us to be funny. There wasn't a class called funny. They had to say that you were funny or your funny bone, yeah. whatever you want to call it, was, was there. And uh, they could polish it yeah. and they could encourage it. But it's like anything, you have to have a natural talent for it. Yeah. So um, at the end of those 10 weeks, we did a Well, can final... I, I want to pause for a second because I want to talk about these 10 weeks because there's a lot that you, we've glossing over this. This is pretty good stuff. So I put together a list. I don't. This isn't comprehensive. Uh, okay. But they have so they taught juggling, stilts, juggling. unicycle work, clown makeup, yep. clown history, pratfalls. Uh, I think you even talk about arena choreography, which is how do you present to a, a? I mean, essentially, it's theater in the round, right? I mean, you have to be everyone. You're 360 degrees around you, um, and then making pies and throwing them. That was a <laughs> that was a real class. That was an actual class that I excelled in. <laughs> Wow. You know, <laughs> as we went through clown college, you kind of found like itch. You're going like, hey, you know what? I can walk stilts. I'm not really very good at it. Right. But I could. But there's other people that took to it and they were like, you know, giraffes, man. They sure. were like out there walking. You know, they were on three foot. Then the next day they were on four foot and then seven. And before you know it, they're on 22 foot stilts. That's crazy. And I'm like, oh, that's not me. Yeah. But but then when it came to things like the pie making and the pie throwing, which I always loved as a kid, you know, as a clown, you know, a comedian, the Three Stooges and Abbott and Costello. I was like, I want to learn how to do that. And <laughs> it really is more than it, it looks. You know, people go, oh, well, how hard is it? How I'm like, hard is it? Yeah. There's this technique, I imagine. There is a technique. And, you know, we don't use real pie. It's uh, shaving cream, shaving soap. Um, oh. And the pie, pie shells are foam rubber. So they're not metal, so they don't break your nose. Um, they're, 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 it's it's kind of like pitching in the leagues. You get to a point like how far can you get and with accuracy? And eventually, to I got to a point where I mean, both arm, both hands, I can I can hit pretty accurate about seven feet. No kidding. In any, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you still have it? I mean, you still do you still have it? Do you keep up the arms? I mean, can you? I, the arm is still there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You still got uh, you got still throwing heat. I, you know, it's one of those things, but, you know, people, uh, I mean, I, you know, I don't, it doesn't, I don't want it to sound egotistical, but, sure. you know, people, old, younger clowns, I will say, could you, could you hit me with a pie? <laughs> I want to pie by you. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> that was like your claim to fame. That was, this is like your thing. Could you do like trick stuff? Could you do it behind your back or do you have to be looking and targeting in? I had a pretty, well, the, really the accuracy, it's like, any, it's like pitching. Sure. You yeah. really are. You're, you want to, you got the target and you're like, I can, how many steps back? And you know, the closer you are, the harder it hits. And you know, people, it's not, they, they're usually very surprised if I do a, a layman, you know, who's not a clown and they go, Oh, you know, I do it for fundraisers and something right. like going to hit me that hard. And I'm like, really? Like, it doesn't hurt, but they say it does take you a, uh, the reflex is like, that's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Like, getting hit. 
Yeah, it's something there. I mean, you're still throwing something. Now, was that class paired with seltzer creation and spray? I mean, are, do they kind of go hand in hand? Um, any of the, the the we used to call those the moist classes. You were you were. <laughs> <laughs> so right. we had water spitting, and you know, uh, which you don't see a lot of any. You know, after COVID, it's like right. maybe we should spit in each it's other's. Been phased face. out, right? Yeah. But people, I mean, it's one of those routines where kids, little kids love it because, you know, you're kind of, as a clown, doing things that kids get punished for, really. Right. So I'm like, yeah. we're going to take water and spit it in your face. Yeah. And they laugh at it like nobody's business. But, you know, the parents always give us the roll of the eyes. They're like, they're going to go home and do this. All the time. You know, that mm -hmm. That's how I started, you know, <laughs> spitting on my <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, th so they really go through, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of funny to talk about, but that is all the stuff you have to do as a clown, right? I mean, like pies are part of the deal, you know, uh, seltzer water, the, the moist stuff, you know, the, the pratfalls, you know, I mean, my, 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 my buddy was showing me his pratfall outfit when he was learning that he made a padded outfit. So when he was doing flips, he wasn't getting himself bruised and banged up, you know? A lot of the, I mean, when we were younger, we even the older clowns were like encouraging. And we were young, twenty one. They like, you're gonna want to wear pads. Mm -hmm. You're gonna elbow pads. You want to knee pads. Yeah. A lot of the, the bigger, really acrobatic stuff. They wear like a hockey girdle. You know, like the hockey player. Yeah. Which is also why some of the costumes are cut so big, like the pants are so baggy because right. it hides a lot of that. Right. <laughs> but we're young. We're like, we don't need all that stuff. And I'm like. The older clowns, and now I'm the older clown, telling the younger clowns, going, every time you fall down, there's a price tag Absolutely. on that fall. Yeah. And it's come due when you're about 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're going to tell you you're, you're in trouble. So, you know, I, I always joke, I, I sound like a bag of potato chips getting up in the morning. <laughs> it's like every front crackles. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, so luckily we have a lot of it on film so I can show my grandkids that I did this. Right. Stuff. <laughs> right. You don't have to, I'm sure they want to see that. The pies. I, I actually, I wish I was there in Bear, but I want to see your, your accuracy, accuracy. See if you still got the stuff as they say in baseball. I'd love to I, see I that. I think I humbly would say, uh, I would, uh, I would, I would take you off. I, would take you off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it. I, I believe it. Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that you can't be funny. Right. And so, I want to take just just quickly, uh, not necessarily take issue with it, but I find it I find it funny in the non-humorous sense that 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 people say that you can't learn to be funny. I think you can. Uh, when I was a kid, um, I don't know that I was particularly funny. I mean, you may not think I'm particularly funny now, but I remember reading this book called um, How to Be Funny by Steve Allen. Uh, for our significantly younger viewers, gonna, Steve Allen was the original host of The Tonight Show. He created it. And the book is really interesting because I think comedy in a lot of ways, you can hear, you know, when you really talk to stand-up comedians, when they get into comedy – it's a formula. I mean, it's it's you can break it down into logical terms that you can understand and you have to mentally think through it. It's still work. I mean, you know, any goofball can kind of, you know, slip on a banana peel once and get a laugh. But being able to do it repeatedly is difficult and requires the the non funny breakdown of all the mechanics that go into it. So you can, I think, teach funny. I think you can. I, I think you could like exactly like you said, you, there is a definite formula technique, uh, rules, rules yeah. of comedy. I think things are funny in threes, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Um, yeah. And I think that they can certainly 
they did teach us that. Yeah. Um, and you try to simplify things, but it's really the funny part is how you interpret it because mm-hmm. you could take a, a a joke and you can say it and it gets a huge laugh and you could just give it to somebody else and they're like, why isn't this working? Why don't right. why don't I get the response? A lot of it is your character, your personality. Sure. I think that puts over a lot of material. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, the comedy are. Are, yeah, you can certainly break them down. And we did. Mm-hmm. You know, we study cartoons a lot right. uh, at college <laughs> because it's like Roadrunner type yeah. cartoons. It's like the perfect, it's like there's a beginning, a middle, and end. There's a protagonist. There's a, you know, and you just kind of know, like, oh, okay, you start seeing this. I mean, and there's there's three basic types of clown characters in the, in the circus world. We call them a white face, an auguste. Uh, and a character or a tramp clown, but it's the character. Um, and these three types, the white face is the authority figure, sort of the boss in the clown, the Auguste. And that word comes from a German slang word, which means silly, mm-hmm. um, kind of the dumber, more slapstick clown. And then the character is a standalone sort of a unique one of a kind personality. But if you, you know, so in the circus, we have these three types and a lot of it's defined by makeup in the circus, right? Because we can't, you know, we always can't be heard and things like that. But if you look at like the three stooges, mm-hmm. Mo right. was the white, Larry was the, was the August, Curly was the character. If you go to like younger kids, when we give tours, I'm like, they look at the three types and they go, it's SpongeBob is the white face, <laughs> is the, the August yeah. and Squidward is the character yeah. or Steinfeld, George Kramer, you know, you look at the trios and you're going, Oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of, I see that it's like a, it's a hierarchy almost of when you're performing as a, in it, in with more than one person, like as as a solo clown. Sure. So you lose, you learn a lot of that, but I think ultimately you're born funny uh, to a certain extent. I mean, you, you, you can certainly (laughs) polish it, but you are, you are only as funny as you, uh, you it's the way you look at things in life. Yeah. And, you know, I can't walk past it. My daughter hates it. You know, I mean, I'll, we go to a restaurant and you know, someone will be opening the door and I know exactly where to put my foot at the bottom to <laughs> look like crack me in the face. And, you know, <laughs> you know, they're so apologetic and I'm like, and my daughter's like, why do you do that? Yeah. Why do you do that? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I can't help to not do it right. now. <laughs> right. It's like a feeling inside. You got to get it out. It's like a, yeah, a very funny is. fart in a way. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Which is always, you know, I remember when there's this great sequence where Louis CK breaks down the comedy of a fart because it's, it's, an, <laughs> and it's, it's, he's breaking it down so sterilely, but it's hilarious, both in form and function and why they're always so funny. But I think in some ways that that skit, I may put it up on the website, is perfect analysis of how someone funny can explain something funny in a non-funny way and still get laughs. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's really that's really the key. So this is what you're doing in. So you're doing this in, in the in the clown college. Uh, and this is I want to talk about the clown college a little bit. I mean, you are a historian. And I think the history of the, of the Clown College is pretty interesting. I just want to touch on a couple of things here. I do love that it's Ringling Brothers and A.N.D. Barnum, Ampersand, Bailey. Right. Is that because Barnum, Ampersand, Bailey was one entity that then combined? So and then Barnum and Bailey, they were two separate entities at one point as well, right? Yes, you're correct. So these were that. basically the combination of three separate entities at three different times. Am I, am I breaking that down in an unfunny way? <laughs> Pretty much. 
Yeah, pretty much. Okay, all right, all right. So, so that's how they got it. Yeah, because it's kind of weird to look when you look at it. It's kind of strange. Okay, so that so uh, the Feld uh, the Feld family buys Ringling Brothers. I think it's in 1967 they purchase it. 1967 from the heirs. The actual there were the John Ringling North was the owner of the circus. Oh wow. Okay. The the nephew of the Ringling Brothers. So he had run it up until 1967. He to go live in Europe and he you know he was getting older and the Feld family came to him and said we would like they had been promoting the circus for many years. Oh I see. Okay. So they wanted to take it over. And uh it was just at like one of those right times and the right price and and uh, so the Feld family bought the circus in nineteen sixty seven from the Ringling heirs. Wow. That's it. That's pretty incredible. I didn't realize that the heirs were still running it. Like, I mean, you know, up until a couple of years ago, there was still a Disney on the board of, you know, the, the Walt Disney yeah. Company, which which was kind yeah. of crazy. Uh, so the at this time, this is kind of an interesting point, because at this time, the youngest clown. So 1967, the youngest clown was 53 years old and the oldest was 88 and they were still touring. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a pretty, you know, uh, I don't want to say geriatric, but it's, it's aged for sure. <laughs> Job security. As I get older, I'm like, wow, still clown until I'm in my 80s, you know. <laughs> sure. But but of course, the 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 big the the many often quoted joke line or whatever was when Irvin Irvin Felt bought the circus. He said these are great clowns, and they were. They were wonderful clowns. They were master clowns. He goes, I know they can fall down, but can they get up? <laughs> right. So he realized and and no youth was coming into this profession uh, at least not the ringling circus so he said what are we going to do in a few years when these guys are gone and so that's it was is you know that was his idea for creating a training program where these great clowns could pass on their information that they accumulated over a lifetime of performing and give it to a new generation that was much younger much more active more physical um, but yet still have some of the older elements there. You know, the older clowns were still on the show at the time. So you actually got this great work, you know, experience because you're not only learning from these great performers, you were also working in front of an audience with them. Yeah. So you really, it was an amazing, am the early years of the clown college were, were uh, unbelievably fascinating. And I will say just in, in the interest of talking about funny, you did a really funny thing there that you can't master as where you said, you know, the, these, these, the elder statesman clown were there to pass on funny pause their knowledge <laughs> given their age that's a pretty funny place to pause uh, so, yeah. so i'm glad you said their knowledge that's the important thing here uh, but this is what's cool so the first year that the clown college is running there were 26 clowns i think that that tried out uh they were all men age 17 to 53 and I thought that it was funny that the oldest clown in the audition class was the same age as the oldest clown in the touring class. That's pretty that's pretty crazy. Because it was a new concept. Right. They 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 were trying to they, the whole 2000 people applying did not start there. Right. It eventually proved that. So yeah. they were like we and the other other important thing to note is Irvin Feld when he bought the show one of the first things he wanted to do was create a second unit. Okay. of the so there was two units, the red unit, and they created the blue unit because he had booked enough arenas and venues in the country that he actually needed two circuses to crisscross the country to a to be able to play the the amount of arenas that he booked. Got it. Okay. So 
there were 14 clowns. He says, I, I need another 14 clowns. Mm -hmm. Where am I going to get these guys? So that was a part of the reason that I think that first year or so that they, any, pretty much everyone who applied, they, they took because they didn't, it was, it was still in a very formative loose stage. It did not, the year or two of clown college were not nearly the well-oiled machine. It became, you know, as it grew, right. uh, at a structure, it was a kind of almost a part-time, uh, program. People had to go down there. They worked at other jobs. Uh, they would meet in the afternoon for classes and then, you know, it was a little loosey goosey, kind of not as structured as it became. Uh, and at the end, all 26 clowns got offered a contract to tour at the circus. Um, so they they needed bodies. They <laughs> right. really. And even a 53 year old body they could have used. And they did. Yeah. Um, eventually. And then eventually the, uh, the next year they started uh, looking for a much younger uh, then it became popular. So they, they had a lot more to pick from there in their application process. And they were also, it's like, why don't we have women clowns? Why aren't there women clowns? Why aren't there a minority? Why aren't there African-American clowns? So that started to change right quickly. The, within the second or third year, they had the first female clowns and the first, uh, they, they had the first clown. Actually, during the first year, there was Reggie Montgomery, was a, a New York actor. Okay. And he was the first American clown. Um, to work on the Ringling Circus, and, the, and that came through. And the first year class. he was, yep. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he, I mean, this is also right around like the civil rights era, so it doesn't, you know, it kind of makes sense that this is all going to kind of happen within the first couple years that it's going to get, you know, um, pretty diverse. Uh, you know, but here's another. This is an interesting thing about the Clown College that I thought was was kind of cool, uh, where you were talking about how. So the basically the Clown College is set up for a constant stream of new clowns to come in. And so you've got, you know, new talent is always being run through. But because, you know, in a lot of ways, the circus is still a finite world. There are many circuses around, but Ringling Brothers is like the show. And every year you've got, you know, 26 to 50 new clowns coming in that you were saying that, you know, that they kind of stole value from existing clowns. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, today uh, when you got people coming out of college, you know, someone who's older and has more experience. Well, for the job, they may just want to put in someone new that they can pay less. So as a clown, you couldn't ask for more money because there was someone coming in who, at least in their mind, from a business standpoint, could do most of what you could do for a fraction of the price. So that, that, and so it was good and good for the circus, but kind of bad for the existing clowns. It was, um, I mean, the older clowns were, were, you know, edging on that retirement period. I mean, when you're 88, right, yeah. you're, you're, you're edging on a lot of well, things <laughs> coming to the end. You're not going to get a year or two made right. out of this guy, yeah. but the, the younger ones were concerned because they were coming in. These younger people were coming in when they're going to take my job. And not only are they not only are they only going to take my job, they're getting paid essentially the kind of money I. It took me forty years to get to the level that they are, right? You know, because it was a the and in those days it was a union, there was a AGVA, American Guild of Variety Artists, uh, was on the circus. So uh, as a union shop, they were able to come in and like a brand new what we call a first of May clown um, was getting basically the same money as a clown who worked 35, 40 years. Wow. So there was some resentment. Not all the, uh, the older clowns supported the clown college idea because they were like, Hey, I still got another 10 years in me before I was even thinking of retiring. Yeah. And you know, clown 401ks were not a thing. <laughs> right. So it was just like, you're going to work until you drop yeah. kind of pretty. 
So they weren't always as supportive. Some of them were. Lou Jacobs, Otto Griebling. There were some of the clowns that were very supportive and realized that this is going to die off if we don't help it. And uh, and they were still working on the show, even in their advanced years. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, 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 the the ability to have 50 clowns every year come out of a clown college yeah. sort of negates your ability to negotiate. Absolutely. So it, it you, you know there was a point where you could you got a raise every year if if you were asked back and you wanted to come back because that was the other thing it's a I think a lot of people don't realize is how the lifestyle of the circus and that's what it was was a lifestyle because you get there and you're like okay I'm gonna work I'm gonna sign a contract I'm gonna work for a tour the tour is fifty weeks right. so you're gonna get two weeks off you're gonna work fifty weeks you're gonna do thirteen shows a week you're gonna work you know fifty weeks so you're doing about five hundred shows a year. Which, when you're 21, is is doable. Um, yeah. It's doable even when you're 75. Right. But you know, it 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 wasn't for everybody. You got there and you're like, I don't know if I really like this. This is like I don't have I don't have a life. It's like you do have a life. Yeah. It's the circuit. Yeah. And either you accept that or you go. You know, this maybe not for me. I mean, I don't think anyone ever came out of clown college going, I want to do this for the next 40 years. Right. <laughs> I, I was. I'm like, this is one year. I'm going to go and do theater and this is going to be a, a thing on my resume. Uh, but I fell in love with the idea and one year led to two, which led to three. Eventually I toured 10 years traveling wow. with the circuit, yeah. um, which, you know, I, I can't imagine. I spent in my entire twenties traveling the country, yeah. living on a train saying, I get to ran, I get, I tell people I ran away and joined the circus when I was 21. Uh, I just fell in love with the lifestyle and my ability to stick around on the show, I think over those many years was, um, I was what, in addition to pie throwing, mm -hmm. uh, right. one of the things I, I, I did, I, I wanted to do and I, and I got to do was, uh, I produced, I was actually, I used to write the clown routines mm -hmm. for myself and for other clowns. So I was what they be called, it was called a producing clown. So I was able to generate material for the show. Okay. Which made me maybe, uh, I, I, you know, I think it's like any, you, you come to a job, you, you do it, everybody's doing the same work. And then suddenly you do a little more and you bring me more value. So you become more, um, valuable to them, to the company. So that's how I think I stuck around as long as I did. And I loved the lifestyle. I loved it. You know, some people couldn't, you know, they were like, I can't live on a train. I can't travel time. I don't have a life. I want, it's like, then then leave you know that's <laughs> yeah because you're all miserable right you know and uh, but other people you know stayed there for 20 years and loved every minute of it was it perfect all the time no it was but i even now looking back i'm going i kind of remember the good stuff because it's great stuff yeah so you want to remember the good stuff i mean if you don't like it there's 50 other people that'll that'll replace you uh so let's talk about this producing clown thing because this is kind of cool because in a in a sense I mean, you're the writer. You're like, you're the creative guy who's putting these together. And, you know, you're writing, choreographing them, casting them, directing them. And you kind of explain it in, in an interesting way. Is it, in a, in, a, in a sense, because you're not really on stage for too long. I think they're like three-minute, you know, vignettes or whatever. There's like a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so you talk about it like a three-panel comic, which is kind of a great exactly. way to think about it. It's simple. It's easy. You know, it's not like a three-act play. Uh, it's like a three-sentence so, joke. Right. You know? Exactly. That's it. 
I mean, there's got to be, you know, what's your your first panel or your first bit is what are we doing? Establish the character and the, what their job is or what they're trying to do. We're plumbers. Right. Uh, what the, the meat of it is to be in the middle. And in the end, we used to call it the blow off. So what is the surprise or the explosion or the the, the sink's going to blow up and water's going to you know spray everywhere? So it's like it's it's kind of basic stuff. You know, I mean, we're not we're not doing Godot. You know, we're, we're like, we're, <laughs> right. We're just trying to like make people laugh, you know, for for three minutes, and you just go, ah, oh, you know, I remember that guy. Oh yeah, when the thing that the safe fell on his head or whatever, you know, or the or the pie split into the oven yep. and blew up, whatever. So you know, it's kind of like visual cartooning. Yeah, yeah, Live Yeah, no, that's really it. I mean, and I think even you had Chuck Jones came to the to the um to oh, the clown man. college, which is you know of of Warner Brothers cartoon there, fame for those who aren't familiar. Oh my gosh, he was one of the great lecturers they had there. Um, came in and and because he had grown up in L.A., he says as a kid he used to go and they were shooting silent movies. Mm-hmm. You know, they were when he was a kid. And he goes, I would go out and and he lived not far from Chaplin's studio, Charlie Chaplin's studio. I would go out there and see Chaplin filming, you know, on the streets of L.A. Yeah these little shorts and things. And he goes, so I'm watching him. And then he goes, when you get to the cartoon era, he goes, I realized that what was so successful was his character. Yeah. If you, if you're interested in the character, you're going to be interested in what they do. Right. Yeah. So he translated that into clowning. When he would come to clown college, he would reference everything like as going, your character is like Bugs Bunny mm-hmm. or yeah, Daffy Duck or Yosemite <laughs> Thank yeah. or who you are. It's like, <laughs> People like you. They like the character, yeah. so they're interested in what that character is going to accomplish or not accomplish. Right? You know, he's. Just, we all want to. We all think we want to be. We we all want to be bugs, mm-hmm. but in reality, we're all Daffy. But <laughs> <laughs> like he's ever successful at what he does. You know, so uh, he was just a wonderful uh, mentor and uh, addition to the Clown College, and. You know, the, the, the fact that the Clown College was able to attract people like Academy Award winning animator yeah. Chuck Jones yeah. to come and, and speak uh, over many different years. You know, he would just dissect his Roadrunner cartoons for us and go, this is, you know, they don't speak. It's all visual. You know, so it was I, I learned so much just from, you know, observing him and sitting in on his classes and, and lectures and things. Yeah, he was pretty amazing. I mean, I love cartoons and. I think of myself more as a wily coyote. So I have this other podcast where I talk about pop culture technology and routinely we bring up cartoon physics. It's one of the things we're a master of. Oh. And cartoon physics has a lot of crossover because I would say clown physics is cartoon based. It's like the it's like the Venn diagram combination between cartoon and real life physics. I mean, it's a little exaggerated, but physics don't exactly work in the same way. No, but we even said we used to call it clown logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. sometimes well, that wouldn't happen. I'm like, it's clown logic. It doesn't make it. It doesn't happen. Right. stuff. You know, it's in our head. It's our world. So, yeah, it's the it, principles. Yep. Yeah, but it's, exactly. it's, it's very similar. And I think that's, you know, where a lot of once you kind of create the world, you can you can make that happen. And, and it's, you know, you talk about the performance. That is really important. I don't think a lot of performers understand how, how key it is to making sure you're unique and likable or dislikable. Or dislike, that's not a word, but uh, disliked in a way. It's the same thing with pro wrestling. You got your guys that people love to cheer and the guys you love to boo. You know, I would say like Andrew Dice Clay was not a role model for a comedian. I wouldn't call him a good guy, 
but because he was so crass and out there, you laughed at him being the real bad, like he was the jerk, but it was funny that he was the jerk, you know, and he had, you know what I mean? He so knew his character. It's important. And I don't think a lot of people get that. No, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, you have to have that authority that you want to deflate or take down. Um, it's the white face clown tends to be, but a lot of times it was the ringmaster in the circus. Oh, like he presents represents authority. Yeah. So you know, over there and you you hit him with a pie or you pull his pants down, <laughs> and like you just deflated all this dignity <laughs> that he has. Yeah. And people like, you yeah. know, it's like that was that was always like a, a great challenge was to 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 have that element there. Yeah. You know, it's funny the pants pulling down thing. I'm so torn on. Right. First of all. I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to do a rant on it. It's always deep pantsing. It's not pantsing. You're not putting pants on him. So that's number one. Right. Number two, um, when when I see a clown's pants fall down, I don't laugh because I expect the clown's pants to fall down. But with the ringmaster, that's funny. I remember there was this great bit in in pro wrestling where there's this very serious wrestler, and he, he that was his gimmick is being really serious. And this jokester wrestler came in and pulled his pants down in front of the audience, and he had underoos on. And I laughed so hard, knowing full of, it's yeah. so juvenile, but I, I couldn't stop. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. It's, that to me is really funny. When you get that guy who's too serious, that's good stuff. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that that was our goal. You know, it always, I mean, yes, we did drop our pants. And it is, it's like a, it's a forbidden act. Right. You know, you're not supposed to be, yeah. you know, it's like you're supposed to be embarrassed. Yeah. And yet people, you know, they laugh at it. It's like a fart. Yeah, right, you know, right. People laugh at farts. Yeah. They don't. They think it's disgusting and rude. Do you do this in public? And then, like, how many videos are out there with these guys that walk around with those fart machines and they just, you know, in Walmart they're farting and people, you know, it's like, and I crack up at this stuff. And I'm like, because I have the, the sense of humor of a ten year old. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, will. Yeah. So you know, I think that clowning is that. I mean, we are. We are. We're kids. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just, we're, we eternally live our childhood in front of <laughs> Right. And I love that. That's a wonderful way to be. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, I remember discovering a whoopee cushion when I was probably like seven or eight. And my grandma was pretty serious, a very religious woman. And I remember I, I put the whoopee cushion, I hid it in, under a pillow in the couch and she sat on it in front of company and was so embarrassed. I thought it was hilarious but she was really upset at me about it. But, but that I remember, I remember like 30 years later, it's amazing. It, well, Cause she's not a clown. So <laughs> right. a it, it, comedy is, you know, is pain or discomfort happening to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, it's true. You don't want to be cruel about it, but at the same time, you're like, it's, it's, you know, you, nobody got hurt. It's funny. Everybody does. Whether you want to admit it or not, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but you know, that's what the clown stuff is. You know, that's why I think we, you know, we relate to kids so well, like, you know, even though we do play to adults and it's great to get in a, you know, I never wrote material. Most clowns don't write material for kids. We write material for everybody. And really like Chuck Jones used to tell me, he goes, they say, Hi, when you made these cartoons, you know, did you make them for children or adults? He goes, I made them for me. Yeah. Right. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I thought was funny. Yeah. And he goes, I hope people share my sense of humor, which I've always taken that as a, you know, one of the, one of the, the things I follow in clowning is like, I write for myself and this is what I think is funny. And the fact that I've been doing it for 38 years, I, I hope mm-hmm. that, that I've been successful. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, so that's that's it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about before we run out of time here. I want to talk about what it's like to to live in the circus and on a train, uh, because this is I mean, this is really kind of a unique experience. Right. So you're so I think the Ringling Brothers train was what, like, I think it was like a mile and a half long. That would go from About city to city. I mean, just the logistics of having to tra- take that train everywhere must have been a nightmare. But when you were you were living on it, you had your own space. But could you walk between trains? I mean, could you see other people? Uh, were you really stuck in a car? I mean, I imagine it's not like the 1930s. But what was at life like? What was a day in the life on the train? It was. It's well. First off, it's the after performing. It's the part I miss the most. Okay. I loved living on the train um, because it is, it's this unique experience. And uh, the clowns all lived on one car, one, one Pullman car. Um, we had 20 rooms uh, with a hallway in the middle. We had two, uh, two private bathrooms and a community kitchen. So that was our home. And the rooms had little doors. They slid. The rooms were three feet wide and six feet long. I think you get more, I think you get more in San Quentin. You do yeah. this. Is, no, it's a living closet. Yeah. It's living closet, and it was about eight feet tall. And uh, you know, the first time I open that door, it's a shock. There's nothing that can. <laughs> you know, living in a New York, you know, studio apartment that is that is spacious compared to yeah. this. A coffin's a room here, you know. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what I'm saying. But uh, but yeah, it was a. Uh, I but then you know what? Again, it's. Either you're going to love it or you're going to hate yeah. it. And, I, and yeah, you had privacy. You shut your door. Um, you lived with all your clown comrades. Uh, and it was just the best experience. I mean, we cooked. We hung out. We told stories. We stayed up till you know, all hours of the night. We, you know, you get into a weird schedule because you're performing. Your last show's at 1030. You get out at 1030. By the time you clean up and get home, it's 1130. That's when you yeah. You, right. So you're eating dinner at midnight and then you're going to stay up till four and then you're going to sleep till 11. And you, so your day's kind of wonk. It's like you're on this really weird. Yeah. Very weird schedule, but you just get used to it. And, uh, but when the train would travel, I mean, you'd go to sleep on a Sunday night, wherever we were, and you'd feel the train start moving and you'd wake up Monday morning somewhere else. And, you know, if, if it was a long jump or a long run between towns, we would, you know, you'd sit on what they call the vestibule, which is the space between the trains. And we would bring out stools and chairs and, you know, it was open. You could sit there and just watch the country go by and you know, you'd go through people's backyards and they'd come out waving to you. Oh, that's crazy. The train would stop. <laughs> it would stop for animal, uh, you know, watering the animals and things like that. So, you know, you could actually get off for a minute or two and, you know, kind of walk around, stretch your legs and people, kids would come up to the train. They're like, this is, what is this? And grandparents would remember the train because they've had the train forever. Right. You know, it was from the twenties. Yeah. So they would, I remember seeing this train back when, back when, back when. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, a, uh, it was just, a, and then when we were on the train, it was moving, like you were referencing earlier. Uh, we lived in one car. The Chinese acrobats lived in another car. The um, the Romanian uh, teeterboard artists lived in another <laughs> car. So on and so forth. So you'd yeah. be able to walk through these cars, and you could always tell what car you were in by the smell. <laughs> what they were. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is Chinese food. This is Asian food. We're gonna we're this is a Chinese car, and then we're gonna. Oh, this is goulash. This is Hungarian. Right. This is a Hungary car. Yeah. 
So you, you went through it like that, and then they would stop and you know they you have some of our food and talk to you and whatever. And usually we had a what we call a pie car, which was a, a restaurant. Yeah. So if you didn't want to cook for yourself, which a lot, not everybody did, you could actually go down there and get meals and sit and play cards and, you know, socialize or whatever. But so we would walk through all those cars to get to the pie car. And, you know, that was just it was this great, you know, you just got to visit with people. And, um, you know, I, I, I really I can't stress how much that I miss that part of the circuit because it was just this unique I remember the first time uh, my parents came to the show. This was in my first year, and we were closing somewhere in New York. And I lived in New York at the time, so my parents were going to go home for the holiday with them. So they came to pick me up, and I had to go back to the train. And they we were fascinated by this train thing because I'm like, we, I'm the first person in their whole family that's ever done anything like this. So they said, like, you want to come on and see it? So they climbed on the train, and they, they opened that door to my room. And like, my mother, I'm just, I'll to this day, she's still with us at 91. And I remind her about it. She goes, you must really want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> really, really want to do yeah. this as she's looking around hubby cubby hole that I'm living in. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And she never questioned it after that. She always said, you, you seem so happy here. Yeah. You know, this is not an easy life. It, it really wasn't, you know, in many ways, it was a fun life, but it wasn't an easy and, you know, and then eventually as you do more and you stick around on the circus, you don't live there the whole time. You're, I didn't live in that room for 10 years. Eventually you negotiate like any other job and, you know, I need a bigger space and I need more of this and I need. So you can eventually negotiate yourself up to uh, some sizable quarters on the train. So, so mean, they had I mean, I, I was on the impression they didn't even have those so that you could negotiate that. Yeah. Yeah. When I left the show, I had 30 feet of the train to myself. Uh I had a private car. I had a shower, a really? bathroom, wash. So, full, I mean, it was like really comfortable. Wow. Okay, and, that makes a lot more but, sense. Yeah. No. I, I no, think you I spent ten years in a, in a in a you know capsule hotel. No, no, no. By the I was only in that for two years, and then uh, I started negotiating quickly. I learned that's you learn business quick because you're like. Oh, I got it. How do you do that? You know, how do you how do you negotiate? And so, you know, it was kind of like a business course, too, because you're like, oh, OK, well, this is what I, you know, you'd go into contracts every year and go, well, this is what I brought to the show. Here's what I'm doing next year. I've got all these, you know, routines that I want to do. And I've got new wardrobe I'm making. I've got new ideas. I want to, you know, so they're like, oh, OK, you're you're contributing. And we're going to use your material and your ideas. And so, yeah, as a, in, in addition to a financial reward, you know, they give you a raise, but then they say, I need, I need to get off the car. I need to have my own space a little bit more. I need to be able to take a shower. You know, I want, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. Cause we didn't have showers on the train when we were in those little clown cars. We actually had a shower at the arenas that we performed in. So you're like, okay, you know, and again, you know, 21, you can do it. And if the train run, we go long run, jumps from philadelphia to oklahoma that's three nights three days and three nights on the train <laughs> it's right it's really right when you get get to oklahoma city yeah. we're like oh and we used to run out when they would water the elephants we'd run out with <laughs> just swimsuits on and a bottle of shampoo and they would just turn the hoses on us and we'd check your hair real quick and just give yourself a, a really quick sponge bath or wow. whatever elephant yeah. bath and you run back and i'm going did we just do that? Did we just like take a shower elephants? And, you know, but like 
It's great stories for your grandkids. <laughs> so I imagine, I, I mean, I have to ask this question. I'm sure you get asked it a lot. But um, when, when I was going through, I imagine the clown car, right? Like having so many people in one car must have inspired Lou Jacobs, who was the creator of the famous clown car gag. Uh, that must have been that must have been where it came about. But this is really cool. I mean, it's one of my favorites. I'm going to put, you know, if, if no one's heard of it, I'll put, you know, links on the web page so you can see what this looks like. But it's the it's the classic thing where the small Volkswagen Beagle Beagle Volkswagen Beetle drives up and about you know thirty clowns get out of the car. Uh, this this is pretty cool. Obviously, it's a visual thing. You know, they're not coming out of the ground. They're actually in the car, right? I mean, this is a real a real they're, life gag. A real a real life gag. It came out of a. Uh, it was originated in the '30s, and um, clowns saw it was a fraternity prank. At a college football game, okay. there was fraternity there that was stuffing many of the pledges that week. There was pledge sure. week for the fraternity. Sure. <laughs> many of these guys, as uncomfortably they could get into the yeah. car, they drove out onto a field during halftime of the game. They opened the door, everybody tumbled out, and the people watching the game were cracking up. They thought this was a cool. And so the clowns, Lou Jacobs and all the clowns, were like, we got to take this idea back to the circus. Yeah. And so they did, and they got a car, um, and they gutted it. That is, I mean, I'm telling you a trick secret that you know, I don't know. We don't normally tell this, but you can. You, you got it. You got the exclusive. Right. Yes. Uh, it, take every. That's all there is to it. There is no door. There's no portable hole. We used to tell people. <laughs> people go really, and I'm like, just think about it. And they're like, oh wait a minute, you know. So it's like there's no portable. Hole. There's <laughs> That's <nothing>. great. <laughs> you know, yeah. but. It was a good PRN, sure. you know, because they would always. Yeah. But when we did, we didn't ever tell anybody how we do it. But uh, and then there was a milk crate in there for the driver to sit on, and everybody just crams in there. We were able to get about twenty three when I was on the show, about wow. twenty three clowns in the car. Wow. And it's a routine. You already pays off because if you're a new clown, you get to go in first, which means way in the back, and the older clowns tend to be a little more in the front. Um, <laughs> And, and it's a routine where yeah, everything you can imagine with 23 people in a car that anything that could happen does happen. <laughs> we referenced whoopee cushions earlier. They're, they're not, these are real whoopee right. cushions going on. <laughs> All whoopee, no cushion. Uh, All whoopee, no cushion. <laughs> so they, I mean, that's pretty crazy because also you have to have gag. It's not just, you're not just putting humanity in this car. You're not just cramming humanity. You also have, you know, collapsible luggage of course you got a mallet or two in there um you got some rubber yep. chickens some rubber noses i mean there's there's a lot going in there a lot of props that also have to be you know a lot of props. a lot of times they were themed also there would be like a taxi cab or uh, a time machine or something so you'd come out as a, or like abe lincoln or you know oh, that's or, great what, yeah. uh, they always tried to make it a little interesting you know every year so it was always changed around convicts who were coming out of a you know <laughs> Whatever they, you know, baseball team would come yeah. out. We'd have all baseball, so they would theme it. And and like you say, they had these props that would collapse and inflate. We did a beach one. We were all coming out. We had beach balls, and there was a an inflatable thing in there that you could actually blow these balls up as people started coming out. And then they would roll these huge beach balls out. They were like, "How did?" Oh, that's cool. And then some of the earlier ones, they would actually have. Uh, they were made out of foam rubber. The props, uh, like a two man elephant or a giraffe. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. With costume, they, like an elephant came out of the car, <laughs> and a, a giraffe. It's like really, not really ridiculous. Yeah. You know how 
stuff you can stick in yeah. there. <laughs> That's great. I mean, and I love that. I mean, it's it's really based on seniority, like who's, you know, smashed in front. And I think the, the I was reading an article that the windows were all blacked. So you could just a little hole in the front of the driver sitting on a milk crate, you know, with probably someone's head underneath him uh, was, you know, trying to, to maneuver the car. Pretty much. The, the the coveted position was either to be the driver because you have it nobody could sit on you right because you you're driving you actually have to do this we're gonna crash and other person was the one who had to lead them out because you always needed someone in front of the car because the window was so thin and you had to make these really tight turns and not hit the rigging um, and then that person <laughs> the door. so um, very quickly I discovered that was the part that's, I wanted that's the one uh, I who led <laughs> the door because yeah. I did it a couple times and I'm like okay you know I'll try anything once and I'm like this is fun but not for 500 <laughs> right. I'm yeah I'm gonna be in the car out so that's that's what I did primarily in the clown car routines that's so. <laughs> that's great so I have to so in closing here um you know I was going through and you know the Ringling closed in 2017 after 146 year run um, mostly because of fights over animals, animal rights. Uh, they, so that was a big deal why it closed. I mean, I also think after 146 years, I don't know that the circus ages particularly well in some arenas, especially the animals. So I understand why this was kind of the evolution. Um, but recently, I think it was maybe six months ago, they announced that they're going to do a new tour. So Ringling is going to start back up again, sans animals, only human acts. So because it's only humans, you're going to have a lot of more, a lot more opportunities for clowning. Do, so where do you see the future of it going? I imagine when Ringling closed down, you're probably a little more pessimistic, but it seems a little more optimistic now that at least the greatest show on earth coming back around, going to need more clowns. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's going to open in September of this year, late September of the opening. Um, and it's, I mean, it's just wonderful that that brand, the greatest show, Ringling Brothers and Martin Belly Circus, the greatest show on earth going to still be active that is a brand that goes it's older than coca-cola it's older than major league baseball the kentucky derby i mean it's like a brand that's been around forever right so the fact that they're bringing the show back like you say sans animals they're reinventing the circus which this always reinvented itself over all these right. years anyway and as as things and technology got better, they changed to accommodate. And I think this new show, which will be, I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. And and hopefully there'll be some some great comedy and some great clowning going on in there, along with all the other, uh, you know, human based acts. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a wonderful thing, and I'm I'm so happy that eventually my grandchildren, which I don't have yet, but eventually my <laughs> grandchildren yeah. see this. Yeah. Uh, this is the thing that I, you know. This is this is the the thing I worked on my whole life, right. my whole career. Yeah. No, it is great. And I mean, it is cool to see, you know, something, you know, that there is going to be a future for clowning that isn't just in the movies or theater, that their actual clowns in a circus is, is going to continue. Uh, so if people, you know, we've mentioned a lot of clowns here. I'm, I don't know if you're going to induct yourself into your own Hall of Fame, uh, which hopefully you will. But uh, if if not um, until that happens, because you're you're still in your career, uh, where can people find you? Where can people find the uh, museum? Are you guys online? How can people come and check you guys out? Yeah, we are based in Wisconsin, 4th Avenue, downtown Barrowville, Wisconsin. You cannot miss us. We're the only clown museum in town. Uh, <laughs> so see the big, all the clowns and the uh, the one car that pulls up and we all get out of. That's us. <laughs> uh, we're pretty much. 
much dead set in town. Um, we're in, in amongst everything. We are have a presence online. We have a website. We have a social media page that we constantly put out information of historical clowning as well as m new modern clowning. What's uh, what's out there? Where other clowns are working and. Uh, we don't just celebrate circus clowns. We do celebrate theater clowns and vaudeville clowns, TV, movies, rodeo, ice capades. I mean, anywhere that there's comedy and clowning, the, what we consider clowning, um, we have it, some of that in the museum. So, um, you know, do definitely come see us. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, please do come see us. Well, let's punch that website and social media handle so people listening can find them. Uh, well, social media or Facebook, uh, we are on Facebook. You just look us up, International Clown Hall of Fame. It'll pop right up. The first one, we're on Instagram. Again, just put the name in. It's right there. And www.theclownmuseum.com is our webpage. And that'll bring you that. And that has, you can help support us uh, financially. We are a 501c3, little not-for-profit museum. Um, so we, we kind of subsidize ourselves, you know, by uh, attendance as well as grants and, and generosity of people that love clowns. And hopefully, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people out there who are, are going to support. Uh, so the clown, the clown museum.com uh, is where you find you guys. And of course you can find us uh, fascinating nouns.com is where you can find the show and social media, Facebook at fascinating nouns, Twitter at fascinating noun. So please check us out there so you can find more out more about clowning and all the, the articles and videos. So you can, if you don't know what a clown is, that's where you go. You can find them on my website. If you've never seen a clown before. Uh, but this has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much, Greg, for taking time out uh, for this and teaching me more about clowns. And, you know, I'm glad the Clown College, I don't know if it's going to start back up again. Um, but uh, who knows? You might get called back into action, Greg. There, I could be. Well, I still do a lot of teaching. So there's always a, you know, if you have a question about clowning, contact us. We'll be more than happy to shoot you in a direction where you can learn to get some training or we do offer classes from time to time at the museum. So yeah, we would love to, you know, keep, keep that funny bone uh, polished and keep populating the world. We can never have enough clowns. Absolutely. Never have enough clowns. I agree. I agree completely. And thank you for, for being on the show and telling us about it. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. And I'm guessing after listening to this, you never want to miss another episode. You're going to want to subscribe. We are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, and we even have links right there on our show website, which is fascinatingnouns.com. You can find all the links right there. And let's say you don't have a favorite podcasting platform. That's no problem. You can listen to every episode right there on the website, which is, once again, fascinatingnouns.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It's a great way to learn more about the episodes that you're listening to, find out about upcoming episodes, and to just keep in touch with the community. It's right there on the website. And speaking of community, there's no better way to stay in touch than on social media. And you can find links to our show's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube pages right there on the front page of fascinatingnouns.com. 
And speaking of YouTube, there's a video version of this episode there right now, uh, as well as other past episodes and all future episodes. It's going to be right there, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. It's a great way to see all the guests and, uh, you know, check it out live and in person. Feel like you're there in studio. Great way to do it, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And finally, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com and check out all of my projects and see what's going on. Once again, thank you for listening. End of transmission.